Hi everybody, today is the 23rd of November 2021. My name is Rita Q and this is the Recovery from Relapse meeting uh, of Overeaters Anonymous. I am delighted today to introduce Laurie C, who has come to talk to us to explain his experience, strength and hope. Laurie has been a servant of OA for many, many years and I'm going to hand it over to him now to share his story. Thanks, Laurie. Uh, thank you, Rita. I am overwhelmed by the number of people and where they come from, and it's just it's just a miracle of technology uh, that that uh, we're all able to come together um, uh, to talk about these important topics. Um, in February of uh, next year, I will be celebrating 36 years in Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, in May of next year, I will be celebrating. 29 years of abstinence and you can do the arithmetic and know that I was in relapse for about seven years in this fellowship. And I have a lot of things I discovered about relapse and a lot of things that um, I'd like to talk about in the, in the 30 minutes that I have. Um, I first joined OA after a period of time I went through counseling, I did a, a bunch of things and I began to, I, I, had, I got rid of all the excuses that I thought I had for my compulsive eating. Um, and I continued to eat. Uh, and I was visited by a friend of mine who had left town but had impressed me so much, was like an older brother to me, who'd been a member of Alcoholics Anonymous for many, many years. But before that time had been a gutter drunk, literally in the gutter, literally picked up by ex-gutter drunks who themselves had been lifted, brought to Alcoholics Anonymous. They had store and, and recovered and had this amazing uh, experience. I mean, my friend actually, his, his first job after recovering was to, maybe it wasn't his first job, but one of his first jobs was to set up a bartending school. He knew a lot about it but he was never tempted to drink the alcohol that he was teaching people how to mix. Uh, and that really impressed me. And he introduced me to all these other people who told their stories of destitution and misery and horrible upbringing and sadness and their recovery through Alcoholics Anonymous. And their eyes spoke volumes, the wisdom that they had, the serenity that they had, the dedication to helping others that they had. I wanted all of that, but I, I was and am not and never will be an alcoholic. I, I don't like alcohol very much. Um, I love the taste of, of alcoholic beverages, but I don't like what alcohol does to me. Um, if they made a, you know, if they made a, a non-alcoholic Guinness uh, that tasted anything like a Guinness, I would be much happier than, uh, than drinking a Guinness, which I can't drink much of as much as I like the taste. Um, so I, I've been overweight all my life. I've had all kinds of stories that I won't, I won't bore you with, um, but I had got rid of all the excuses for why I ate. And yet I still ate and I was gaining weight instead of losing it, even though I, I was supposedly in this great moment where I, I shouldn't, uh, I, I should have been losing weight. And he came in from an out of town to visit and he had clearly been talking to my wife who was very worried about my weight. Um, I have in my family, I have uh, diabetes on three grandparents' side and my mother herself um, and high blood pressure and heart uh, disease. Um, and 
I was looking at, you know, I, and I had the experience of the debilitating uh, effects of, of diabetes and uh, obesity related uh, diseases uh, within my own immediate family. Um, but I still thought of it as a diet issue, control issue. Um, and I certainly couldn't compare myself to the drug addicts and the alcoholics uh, that I had met. I mean, they, they, had, they had the risk of life-changing moments as soon as they indulged in one little piece of what they had been addicted to. You know, they, they could suddenly take a drug or take a drink of alcohol and walk into the streets and be killed. Um, they could gamble away their entire life savings uh, in, a, in a second uh, with their addiction. And here was I putting on weight, still healthy in the sense that nothing was wrong with me at that moment, other than I was really very heavy. Not ha I had not yet re reached morbid obesity, however, uh, although the doctors I saw were, you know, they said you should lose some weight. It was not as if I had yet reached a stage where, you know, I was bedridden or I was breaking bones or anything of that sort. I was lethargic. Um, I couldn't get up as easily, but I was pretty strong. I have a robust body. Um, anyway, my friend came into town and I was gaining weight and I uh, saw him. He came to my office and I, I said, you know, my, my wife is really pushing me to go back to the weigh and pay plan that I've been a member of three times before. And each time I had lost my weight and then gained it again and lost it and gained even more. And that had happened three times. I said, I, I don't want to go back there. Um, he said, why don't you try OA? I said, what's that? He said, Overeaters Anonymous. I said, what's that? And he said, it's just like Alcoholics Anonymous, except it's for people who are addicted to food. And I then said, and I know some of you, I'm sure some of you have heard this before, but I said, Wally, never in my life have I ever had a business appointment scheduled for a Thursday eaten a donut on a Wednesday and woke up in a hotel room on a Friday, not knowing where I was. And those were the stories that I had heard from him and from other people. And he didn't laugh. And he said life-changing words to me. He said, if you don't start taking my food, your food as seriously as I take my alcohol, you're going to die. And he saved me at least a hundred pounds. I believe that. Um, because if he hadn't given me the sense that he who had suffered so much, uh, not only in his life, but also through the alcohol um, and, and had gone down so low, could treat my addiction. And, and I was a person who had never really had a traumatic childhood other than the effects of my weight on sort of people making fun of me and things like that. But, you know, I had a happy childhood. I was an established uh, lawyer. I was doing okay. I had loving children, uh, a loving wife. Um, that I had the right to treat my addiction as seriously as he treated his gave me a sense of, well, maybe I do have the right to search for the kind of serenity that he had and the peacefulness and the ability to be around the things that used to tempt me and not want them. I mean, that was the most amazing thing. All these people, I remember meeting one of his friends um, at the, this guy's, at his apartment. 
And the guy opened the refrigerator and said, would you like a beer? And I looked in the refrigerator, there's nothing else in it. The guy obviously ate elsewhere, he didn't eat at home, but he had 30 bottles, well, it looked like 30 bottles of beer in his refrigerator. Because in those days, as, as I now know, they, they used it to taper people off, uh, you know, a, a huge drunk. But he had that in the refrigerator and didn't want it, even though he had been an alcoholic for many years. So I joined OA. I got a sponsor. I dealt with all kinds of issues. I worked the steps. I went on a really good diet. And then as I lost my weight, and uh, uh, two things happened to me. Um, one was that I followed the diet I'd had in my weigh and pay plan, and um, it worked very well. But the diet said that as soon as you reach your goal weight, you can have a little bit of comfort food in moderation. You could measure it out. And it was, uh, I, my recollection was a, a half a scoop of ice cream. So the, the scoop and you, you had to cut it off. You know, you just had to make sure it was absolutely straight or a half a donut or two cookies a week. But you could have it. And I, I, that's what I did. Um, and I, I, you know, there was a time when I began to relapse and, and I went in and out of relapse for the next seven years. I, um, uh, uh, I know I was gonna say something, but I won't, I'll, it'll come back to me. Anyway, I, I went in and out of relapse for, for seven years. And then one day, another life-changing experience happened to me. I was going to a really good meeting. There was a lot of power in it, a lot of recovered people. They would say to me, how are you, Laurie? I'd say, fine. And they would say, how wonderful it is to hear you, to see you, keep coming back. It's wonderful. Um, we love to hear you talk. You know, you know so much about the big book and about the history of AA because I'm, I'm an obsessive reader. Uh, you know, keep coming back. But one day, the shyest woman in the room came up to me before the meeting. And she said, how are you, Laurie? And I said, fine. And I, you know, I, I, I leaned towards the camera. She said, I mean, really? And I remember just uh, sort of gobsmacked. And, 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 and I said, I'm in terrible shape. I, I, I need help. And I, I feel very emotional about that moment. She's, she, she told me later she had prayed for two weeks. Uh, before she did it, I was an intimidating kind of guy, you know, and she was a, a very shy woman, but she had prayed for two weeks to do that, and, and after the meeting, we, we talked for another, I don't know, half hour, uh, she, um, I, I began to work with her, um, she, I did gratitudes every day, and, you know, whatever she knew to do, I did it with her, and uh, I, I was losing some weight and I was looking okay. And I was asked to sponsor a man who had just joined uh, the fellowship. And he, um, I met with him. I remember meeting with him. I remember where I met him. I, I, remember, I remember asking him, well, what, you know, what's your history? He said, well, I've been sober in AA for 15 years. <laughs> I said, you've been sober for 15 years. I've been abstinent kind of for two, three months and a total of maybe a year or two years uh, in the seven years I had been here. 
you have a lot to teach me. And he said, uh, and I said, what did you do? He said, well, I, I read the, the big book. And I said, well, I, I read the big book too. He said, no, 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 I, I read the big book. And I said, well, I read the big book too. I, I have, you should see my copy. I've underlined it. There's yellow highlighting. There's little red notes on it. Uh, he said, no. And then he explained that uh, he was part of a group in AA, and, and there were thousands and thousands uh, who uh, had been uh, taught by uh, these people named Joe and Charlie in AA, who were great AA speakers, um, and uh, to read the big book as a set of instructions, directions for how to work the steps. And uh, I, I won't go into any great detail, but I, I, he and I then studied the big book the way he had been taught, but I filled in what I understood how that might apply to uh, uh, OA as opposed to AA. And I've been, and, and, and as of May of 1993, I, uh, I've been absent. I haven't wanted to go back. I mean, the miracle, and the absolute miracle is I'm not tempted. You know, there's, there's stuff in, in my uh, uh, condo right now that I used to eat uncontrollably and I have no interest in it. And I can watch other people eat it and it doesn't interest me at all. Um, I'm happy when people enjoy their food uh, and, and that's it. I, I don't eat popcorn. Uh, my wife uh, makes it all the time. I make it for her at times. I make really good popcorn. It, I have no interest in eating it and I'm happy that she enjoys the popcorn I make. Now that's a miracle for me, you know. So I, I want to give you, um, you know, Roy, if you tell me how much time I've lost track of it, what, what's my timing like? Um, you have 11 and a half minutes, or actually wow. 16 and a half. Okay, six, that's better. Okay, 16 and a half, all right. Um, I discovered a number of things, and I, and, and I'm, I'm, I, I want to give you the lessons I learned from, from my 28 and many, a number of years. Uh, without going into sort of more chronological order. The first, the, the, and, and the one thing I want to emphasize about relapse is that you can learn. The only mistake you make in a relapse is not learning from the mistakes you made. That you have to do an analysis and figure out what mistakes you did make because there's one given in this fellowship. If you are an addict like me, the steps will work. That's the guarantee. And we will read those promises at the end of this meeting. The, the steps do work if you are an addict. The question is, are you an addict? And what did you do wrong within the steps? Now, what I, the first thing I had to accept was, and this I didn't want to accept, was when the big book says that we must accept that our bodies were sickened as well in the, in the, in the doctor's opinion that we have what the doctor called an allergy of the body, that that has its equivalent in OA, that whether or not there's some medical, biological, genetic, chemical, uh, actual existence, it makes sense to believe and to accept the reality that there are certain things that when we indulge in them, cause us cravings that overpower our willpower. 
And these can be, and, and OA is, a, is, a, is an umbrella fellowship that spans behaviors and single substances, and in between can be a combination of behaviors and ingredients and all kinds and textures and, and all kinds of things. And the one thing that's clear about OA uh, and the group conscience of OA is clear about this as shown in, in the approval of its literature is that what I can eat, you might not be able to eat and what you can eat, I might not be able to eat. That for me to impose upon a sponsee any particular plan of eating is, is just not fair because that person might be able to eat what I, I can't. I, I do impose a necessity to do a very clear analysis of what you can't or can't eat, but it's not up to me to tell you that or to force that on you. Um, furthermore, it might be eating behaviors only. You know, there are people in this fellowship whose sole addictive eating behavior is restriction, anorexia, um, or vomiting. You know, bulimia, um, or just eating huge quantities, just volume issues. It's unlikely that there are many like that, but there are at least some. There are some who are addicted to one single substance like sugar. And in between, and I'm, I'm one of those, there are people who have some eating behaviors that they're addicted to, some specific foods that they're addicted to, some specific substances that they're addicted to, and some combinations of ingredients that they're addicted to. And they have to do that analysis because, you know, on the one hand, you have 12-step fellowships like uh, Gamblers Anonymous or Emotions Anonymous. And on the other hand, you have singles, and those are behaviors. And on the other hand, you have single substances like Alcoholics Anonymous, Cocaine's Anonymous. In between, you have things like Narcotics Anonymous, um, uh, co codependence Anonymous, uh, Al-Anon, and things of that sort, which are a combination of behaviors and maybe some substances. Who knows? So we are this huge umbrella, the spectrum. And I had to accept, the re first of all, the reality that when I indulged in some things, some behaviors, some uh, foods, that there was something going on in me that prevented my willpower from functioning. That once I started, I couldn't stop. And I had to accept the responsibility of identifying what they were. That was a revelation to me. I didn't want to accept that. I wanted to believe what all the guides told me, which was that once I lost my weight, I could eat everything in moderation. And my first sponsor, who was brilliant in so many ways, that's what he told me. Your problem is just you eat too much. You, you're a compulsive eater. You work the steps and you won't want to eat compulsively. That didn't work because as soon as I took back the half a scoop of ice cream, it became within six months, the tub of ice cream, uh, punctuated by the tub of uh, buttered popcorn, you know, punctuated by, uh, you know, the crisps or the French fries, whatever you call them in your own country. Um, so I did my own analysis and I won't bore you with my analysis, uh, but I've got my email uh, listed on my name. And if anyone wants to contact me, I'd be happy to help them through that. Uh, figure out your substances as opposed to mine. That was my first mistake, that I hadn't accepted the reality that I had to stop and abstain from 
things that caused me uncontrollable cravings. Then, and this was the brilliance of the big book, it became clear what my real problem was. My real problem was I couldn't remember at certain times that I shouldn't indulge in these things. There were many, many occasions when I would give myself permission to indulge, even though I knew I shouldn't do it. During diets, during my OA career, my mind would forget and I'd have a little click and I'd say, you can't have it, you can't have it. Oh, okay, I'll have it. And one of the things that the big book makes clear is that the reason isn't significant. There can be deep traumatic reasons why we have turned to food or our, our eating behaviors as somehow comforting us. Um, but there can also be trivial and absurd reasons, insane reasons. And the reality is our mind will find the right reason that fits at that moment. So even if you've gone through 20 years of therapy to deal with the horrible traumas that have existed, that you experienced in the past, and you're serene about those, you've dealt with them. Someday someone's gonna offer you some ice cream and say, this is a new flavor that you can only get in this city at this time, and it's only available for one day. And it's really good. And you're gonna say, oh, well, just for today, I can have it because I deserve it. And these absurd, or I'm standing up, or I exercise for at least 10 minutes, that's got to be worth a scoop of ice cream, you know, it, it, or it's organic, um, you know, or I've suffered a lot, and I really could use something to let me feel better. The brilliance of the distinction between I can't stop once I've started, and I can't stop from starting. The distinction between those two things, the sort of the equivalent of the physical, I can't, I can't, uh, my body is saying I want more. And the mind saying, okay, you can have some, puts us into the vicious circle that then means that we ourselves are powerless. Brilliant. And once I accepted that, it became clear I had to analyze what I had to abstain from. And also I had to, uh, work the steps to change the mind because the steps change the mind. The steps change the ability of the mind to persuade you that it's okay today to have some. And that is the mind that allowed my friend to run his bartending school and his friend to have the beer in the refrigerator and that allowed me for over 28 years to watch other people indulge in what I used to crave and want and not want it uh, because I know it's poison. I have a sane mind. Now, the other reality, so that was my first mistake. The second mistake was I wasn't working the steps right. And, and that's the other thing that I learned from studying the book with my friend. I'm not gonna say that the big book is the only way of working with steps. I like it, I use it, I, I teach it at times. I sponsor with it, but there are many ways. I have many mentors in this fellowship who are people I idolize who don't use the big book and have achieved the same miracle that I have. So who am I to say there's only one way of doing it? And you know, if you talk to big book uh, thumpers like me, you will find that each of us has our own interpretation of the big book and we differ on significant issues as to how to work the steps anyway, even using the big book. So there's no one way of working it. The essence of the steps 
and this the big book makes clear, the essence of the steps is this. We acknowledge that we are powerless and that the real problem is in our mind, not in our bodies. That we have to accept the reality that in, it's, it's not, it could be deeply psychological, but whatever it is, in some way, shape or form, once we start, we can't stop and that we have to abstain from what causes that. Behaviors, ingredients, specific foods. And that the steps clear our minds so that we will no longer be tempted to return. So just as, you know, I wear glasses to see the computer, I wear a hearing aid to hear, I don't say I've been really good for 20 years without, with my hearing aids, so now I don't need it anymore. And I'll listen in small quantities, but I'll be able to hear everything or I don't need glasses anymore. I have to become a sane human being who accepts the reality of his situation. Five minutes, uh, yeah, no? Yeah, you've got about five. Yeah, a little over okay. and take all, all you right. want. Okay, I, I might speak a little longer, but I, I don't, I'm not sure I'll have to. Um, so once, if I, if what I really have to do is have a mind that accepts the reality. So I don't try things that I know I can't do. How do I get sane? How do I get that sanity? And that's what the steps do. What were the mistakes I made? Well, I could have worked the steps differently and worked them a bit better in terms of steps four through nine. But it was basically misunderstanding not only steps four through nine. I did those. I did those as well as I could. And I made amends and I overcame a lot of resentments and, and, and all that while, while in relapse or while going in and out of relapse. What I learned is that I didn't understand steps 10, 11, and 12 well enough. And the, th this was sort of my biggest issue uh, because I, I think that we, we don't emphasize it. First of all, let me just emphasize step 12. You know, my friends in, the, in AA treated step 12, carrying the message to other people with such dedication the time that they spend helping other people. You know, the great AA speaker Clancy used to call alcoholics pukes. He's passed on now. So pardon the language, but he said, you spend all your time with the pukes outside of yourself. So you spend no time at all with the puke inside yourself. This is an outer oriented program, outer oriented 12 steps. We have to help those who still suffer. And we have to carry our message, that step 12 says that, to those who still suffer. And what is our message? That we have had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, of the 12 steps. It's not that we, have, we feel better about ourselves. It, it is that we have had an awakening. What is a spiritual awakening? The big book defines it in the appendix on spiritual experience as a personality change sufficient to overcome alcoholism. And that becomes clear when we look at step two, because the spiritual awakening is a power greater than ourselves that has restored us to sanity. What kind of sanity are we looking for? That's what step one is all about. We're trying to be sane in relation to the stuff that we have to abstain from. And if we don't accept that the message that we have to carry 
is to carry the message that we have over that we have had a personality change that overcomes our mind and gives us the sanity to know that we cannot in, in, indulge in this stuff that we've abstained from, that we're not carrying the message that people come to us for. I didn't come to OA to find spiritual awareness and happiness and to find God. I still haven't find, found the kind of God that other people have found. I, you know, I, I'm a, an agnostical atheist, an atheist agnostic. That doesn't bother me. I, there's no problem there. I came because I had a problem with food. And that's why people come. And yet the message we often carry is, oh, it's wonderful. It's not about the food. It's about finding some spiritual uh, presence. And, you know, and I'm, I, you know, I've, I'm emotionally and spiritually and physically sick. And I've dealt with the emotional and spiritual part and the physical stuff will come. No, they come because they want to see people who are, as my friend was, able to be around the things they used to be addicted to and not want them. That's what we offer as a 12-step fellowship, different from what support groups do and different from what uh, way and pay plans do. So, and, and the other thing is how much time that has to be spent, the dedication that has to be spent, the always thinking of others and not yourself. That was a major mistake I had made. I thought it was just, oh, service is slimming. I'll, I'll, keep, I'll keep busy. It's not. You have to carry this message of recovery. The other real mistakes I made, and this is what I find for a lot of people who relapse who have already gone through some recovery, is misunderstanding step 10. Step 10 is doing what we did in steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. Read the big book carefully, you'll see that. I'm not gonna try and prove it to you because I don't have much time left. But the difference between a daily meditation at night and step 10, is very significant. Uh, and that is that in step 11, we review our, our day to see how well we did today and to see how well we can do tomorrow, to learn from any mistakes we made to do a better job the next day in being a sane and loving and compassionate person to be free of resentment. But life has a way of kicking us in the teeth or other parts of our body. And um, we, what we learn is that step 10 is doing what we did in steps four through nine with things as they occur. We're living in, uh, may I say, without any fear of contradiction, turbulent times. They are polarized. There's anger. There's ignorance. No matter where you are in any political scale, you see a lot of people who are acting out of ignorance. And, 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 and you fear them, and sometimes you hate them, and, sometimes, and at the very least, you fear for your future uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, these are like the noise of a factory that you work in that you get used to. And yet they pound you down. And step 10 is actually doing steps four through nine on all the things that are bothering you. You may have dealt with the issues relating to a, a loved one and you feel great, but if you continue to live with that loved one or have a relationship with that loved one, the same things that they do that annoyed you originally are going to come back and continue to annoy you now. And if you don't do what you did in steps four through nine again, it's going to get to you. I thought that step 10 said I was just supposed to apologize if I did something wrong. 
I'd yell at my kids. I'd apologize to them. But in reality, I wasn't yelling at my kids. I was expressing my tremendous frustration that loved ones in my wife's family were dying and suffering. I couldn't be angry at them. So I yelled at my kids. But I didn't deal with that using a step 10, steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, with all my fears and my concerns and the love that I had for them and the suffering that they were going through. And my wife was going through even more than I. So I yelled at my kids. And I didn't realize that step 10 meant to go even deeper. So you can see the analysis. That, that, time. Time. So I'll just, I'll just finish up one minute. That the analysis that I did was I tried to learn from the mistakes. Given the assumption that the steps work, what did I do wrong? And it's usually one of two things. Either I I'm still eating something that I shouldn't be eating or indulging in some behavior that I shouldn't be indulging in. In other words, the body part is still talking and I'm, I'm not really abstinent because I haven't given up what I have to give up. I'm not abstaining. Or there's some step I haven't done right and I should go back and figure out what I did wrong. And, and I'll just end with this, is that the one thing that I really want to encourage you to think about is if you've had a relapse and you have a sponsor, is your sponsor going to say to you, well, you've learned a lot from this relapse. Let's get you back absent. Let's get you back working the steps as quickly as you can. Or are you going to be faced with another five months of trying to of reading the same things over and over again, which now sound like punishment? rather than help. And I, I, I encourage people to say, let me get right back to those steps. Let me get the sanity that those steps give me as quickly as I can. I've learned my lesson. Now it's time for me to work the steps as quickly as I can and find my recovery. Thank you very much.